Hello and welcome to the Entrepreneur Risk Givers Podcast. The podcast where we interview entrepreneurs who are willing not only to take risks for themselves and their businesses, but who are also willing to risk helping others. Now sit back and listen to entrepreneurs just like you who are giving back to their communities in big ways. Here's your host, Mike Wiest. Hey, I'm Mike Wiest, and today on the show we have Dr. Connor Davis-Robertson. How are you doing, Connor? Good. Thanks so much for having me on the show. We're glad to have you, and you're one of the first people I think I talked to about being on the show, and just glad that you were so willing. And it sounds to me like you have a, a sort of a passion for volunteering and for giving back, maybe in a lot of different ways. Is that is that kind of correct? Yeah. So we actually have this, um, I have this personal goal and, and I tell some of these people in our company, um, my personal goals, I have three goals, give 10% of my time, give 10% of my money and help a thousand entrepreneurs. That's my high level goal. And people always say, does that come from the business side? Does that come from the volunteering side, the entrepreneurship side? And the answer is all of the above, right? In order for me to be able to give 10% of my money, I have to have money, which is generated through our for-profit business, right? Sure. In order to give my time, I have to have systems in my business so I can actually leave the business and donate my time. So the whole goal, the whole premise of my vision is 10% of money, 10% of time, a thousand entrepreneurs. And my particular group of choice is Habitat for Humanity. And I've spent the last seven years working with them. Awesome. So before, and I want to jump into that. I want to talk about Habitat for Humanity. You're the first person to come on to talk about that. So I'm excited. Before we do that, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself and uh, where you're coming from? Anything yeah, you'd like so, to share with us? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's kind of an interesting story. I grew up in Canada. I uh, went to school at the University of Western Ontario and did a uh, Bachelor of Science there. Then moved to upstate New York and did a chiropractic degree, which is a four-year degree after you finish uh, an undergraduate degree. Did that, moved down to Pittsburgh, practiced for two years, and then started three startup companies at the same time. And basically, the whole premise there was, how can I work with those entrepreneurs and help in my, with my skill sets, which at the time were you know, chiropractic and healthcare focused. And so I did this whole move around central Ontario, western Ontario, upstate New York, down to Pennsylvania in Pittsburgh. And I've kind of moved around a little bit, but the whole vision has always been, how can I do more, right? I'm always trying to do like more, t more today than I did yesterday. And then tomorrow should be even bigger in theory. Does it work that way all the time? No, but that's kind of my story, right? Is I kind of moved around a little bit and, and the, I'm in the constant pursuit of giving. That's, that's really my big thing. Yeah, that's well, and we're of a mind there, obviously. And so that's what, one of the reasons I'm excited to have you on the show is just your focus on giving back. And, uh, and, and again, in so many different ways. And so today it was sort of hard to pin you down on one thing because you, you're given in a lot of ways, but the Habitat for Humanity, what, what got you into that? So I'm familiar with it. I'm a fan of it, but what got you involved with Habitat with Humanity? Yeah, that's actually really interesting. So to roll back again, to talk a little bit about the start of that, I was leaving, uh, I applied for chiropractic school while I was at the University of Western Ontario. And that was in my third year. And I was going to leave early and basically drop out of undergraduate. Nice. And in that summer, um, my parents wanted to renovate our basement. And they're like, well, you're home. I was running a painting company with one of my buddies and we were working during the day. But I was like, let me try and renovate this whole basement. And it was, it was already finished. You know, it was drywalled. It was all framed up and electrical and everything, drop ceiling. And I said, okay, well, I'll do this whole project. And I have three to four months to do it because I'm leaving for New York. And so I really built a passion around it at that time, right? 
electrical framing, drywall taping, doing bulkheads, flooring, all this different plumbing, all these different things that we need to do. And I really developed that passion in that four month period at a higher level. When I moved to New York in upstate New York and I was going to chiropractic school, uh, I was spending weekends trying to figure out what I was going to do with my time. Obviously, I was still studying and all that, but Habitat was a really big feature in the town we were in. It's in Seneca Falls, New York, which I, I don't know the exact population, but probably 10,000 or less. So the whole Habitat board was like 10 people building these houses. Wow. And so I would leave every Tuesday, every Thursday, every Saturday, parts of Sundays, and sometimes Fridays to go back to the Habitat houses when I wasn't in class to go build these. Started with one, got a little bit addicted, turned into two, two turned into five, five turned into seven. And at the end of the time, when I was leaving New York, I thought, man, this, this is actually pretty cool that we did all these homes because the homeowners actually build the homes with you in Habitat. That's right. a really unique thing about Habitat for Humanity. They build the homes and every single person over the age of 18 has to have 250 hours before they are gifted the home. Now, when I say they're gifted the home, a big misconception is that people are given the whole home itself. What happens actually is they're getting a 0% zero down mortgage. And what's happening is they are getting that the down payment is in lieu of the 250 hours. So if there's two family members or, you know, a husband and wife or whatever it is and six kids, they're required to do 250 times two. So 500 hours of their own time. And that will waive their down payment and get them a 0% interest on their mortgage. And that's the function of Habitat. Most Habitat for Humanity chapters operate that way. You said it's sort of, you did one and then it became kind of addicting for you. What was it about it that, because this is one of the things we talk about when we're talking about why, because a lot of people are listening and thinking about maybe I'm going to volunteer with something for even the first time, but it's going to take a lot of time. Is it worth it? So talk about that. What is it that makes that addicting and makes you want to do more volunteering? Yeah, I think there's a couple different parts to it. One of the things is I spent a lot of time sitting in like a, a classroom, right? And, and that was very, it's, yes, it's mentally, you know, taxing and, and it's very, you know, complex, but at the same time, it's not physically taxing. So for me, one of the biggest things was like, oh, I get to go to Habitat today, right? Like, it's like, it's a good feeling to do that. You kind of get the workout in, you get to be with other people. And it's kind of that escape from, you know, the world. The really interesting thing about the structure in upstate New York was we did the Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So it was only three hours in the afternoon on Tuesday, three hours in the afternoon on Thursday, and then a whole day on Saturday. So it was never too much. Okay. It wasn't like I was sitting there, you know, I was always switching gears, go to class, go to Habitat, go to class, go to Habitat. Yeah. And that change was just so relieving for a lot of people that, that did it with me. And so I think the addicting part was that, was that it's like, I get to go do this today. Not, not I, not I want to. Not I have to, but I get to go do this, right? And that mindset for me was like, I am showing up to build this house and it was always a race. I'm always a race person. How fast can we get something <laughs> done? Because there's always a deadline. And there was this awesome, um, well, it wasn't really that good of a movie, but there's an awesome story behind, I think it's called It's a Wonderful Life, um, which was based on Seneca Falls, New York. And every year these Habitat homes are given away between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So that's when they do the dedication okay. and all the people from that movie will come to Seneca Falls and oh. they do a blessing on the home to wow. give it away to the family. So our rush or, or my mental rush was we start in June, we have to finish by no, middle of November, mid to end of November or else it, we're going to miss the date. So it yeah. was always just this big push to get it done. Yeah. Well, and as a side note, some people would say that was a pretty good movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. You know, no, it's that's funny. Amazing. I lived there. 
yeah, what I it, lived there, but I n- never knew what it was. You know what I mean? I, I never watched it, and I was like, oh yeah, you know, this is this is a great yeah. movie. I met the people, the actual actors from the movie, come to, to the town once that's a year, cool. and I'm like, I don't even know who you guys are because you know I just didn't know. So yeah, it was weird. what a neat bonus that is that yeah. a lot of places don't get. How cool is that? And so one of the things that we're trying to get people to understand is just the value of volunteering. And so that's kind of what I hear you just talking about is the more you do it, the more you sort of want to do it. As I talk to other volunteers, we we talk about, and and people who manage these volunteer operations, uh, we talk about the value of a volunteer, even compared to a paid person. What we've noticed a lot of times is the volunteer even works harder sometimes, or is even more committed than the person that's being paid. They're just there sheer out of sheer passion. And that's kind of what I hear you saying. It's like a competition. It's sort of fun and you just can't wait to be there. Is that, Oh it, yeah, I, that's definitely the way it is, and and I've actually volunteered at multiple Habitat for Humanity chapters, and I can tell you it's very dependent on where you go. The the okay. really interesting thing about the Seneca Falls location was it was very tight knit community, and so the whole board. There's a bank in town called Generations Bank. Shout out to them, and they have a um, board of directors, and all of the top level employees there, and some of some of the friends were also on the Habitat for Humanity board. So it was really cool because I'd go to school, I'd eat breakfast with all these guys at, at a cafe in town, which was attached to the bank. Then we'd go do Habitat for Humanity afterwards. So it was like this really cool community sense that we had that you don't yeah. get in a big town. And for me, th- I think that's one of the things that is missing from a lot of non-for-profits or a lot of startup kind of environments where people are like, I don't really know everybody. We knew everybody. Right. And that is what I think made this extra special beyond just a standard kind of opportunity. Yeah. The community behind it is so important. And that is such an added value to to going out and volunteering. So I'm glad you're finding that. So have you been blessed by this personally? You know, you talked about, for instance, the requirement of people that are going to be receiving or gifted. You know, you said this this home. Uh, need to put in a certain amount of hours. What's it like working next to those people? Does that add, how does that add to the experience? Yeah. So this is, this is a really good question too, because we, I've had both experiences. I've had really good experiences and I've also had really, you know, not so good experiences. Just to give an example, we had this one guy who I'm sure he's a wonderful individual and maybe he's just going through a tough time, but he was one of those people who was not very grateful for the property that we were going to be putting out for him. And that made it a very challenging environment because nobody wanted to work with him. And at the end of the day, I think when you're volunteering, you have to be understanding of where people come from because obviously not everybody's in the same spot. Maybe they're financially stressed. Maybe they're emotionally stressed. Maybe there's something else going on. And I try to have empathy. I think that's one of the hardest things for people to have. It's a very difficult concept. Even when everyone says, I understand it, I understand it. Putting yourselves in those people's shoes to understand like, listen, man, this guy's had everything go wrong. We're trying to build a house for him. He's a little pissed off. It's okay. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he's having a hard time, but at the end of the day, having the people who are super grateful at the end, you know, they're crying and their kids are crying and you know, it's all, it's, it's a great opportunity. And I think the wrapping it up is totally worth it every time, but it's almost this cyclical race. of we start the project. It's super exciting. You run into a bunch of problems in the middle of the project. and You're like, wow, I don't want to do this anymore. But then you give the house to them and you're like, oh, this is definitely worth it. Right. And then you go through the process over and over and over again. Right. There's a crooked wall or there's something needs to be straightened out or there's a delay or whatever it is in the middle that these little micro setbacks. You sit there and you go, man, this I don't want to do this anymore. Right. But then as it progresses, you get closer and closer. You can see the end 
and it's definitely makes up for it. Yeah. And I think what you're saying is true across the board. And that's a good thing to know going into volunteering is when we're serving people, uh, some people are just going to be really grateful for that. But usually when you're serving people, it's because there's a big need, you know, and, and, and that's what I hear you say with these people. It's sort of like there's a big need here. And so some people react better in those situations than others. Some people are struggling more. And uh, so so sometimes you get that good praise and sometimes you don't get the praise. Maybe we feel like we deserve. <laughs> well, well, and it's balanced, too. That's the other thing that was really difficult. Like I know 250 hours doesn't sound like a lot. But you have to remember in the, in the Habitat for Humanity space, a lot of these people have to be financially qualified. And I don't know what the exact number is because it's based on where you live. But a lot of these people, their annual household income is like $45,000 a year or less, sometimes 40000 or less. Yeah. And because of that, you got to remember, these people have to put in 250 hours on Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays, take yeah. care of their family, do whatever it else that is that they do with their kids, go to work. Mm -hmm. And some of them are still being educated on different parts, either they're retraining for a job or they're doing some other socioeconomic barrier that's set there because they're doing so many things. So it sounds like easy 250 hours, but when you do that in a six month period of time, you realize that, you know, that's only what, 24 weeks to do that. It's about 10 hours a week, right? Yeah. But they need to put that time. It doesn't sound like a lot, but for them to jam in another 10 hours a week, is actually really difficult for these people. No, that's a lot of investment and that's a lot more investment than some of sometimes when we just buy the house outright. So do you see that with people when they get their home? Does it seem sort of, they they feel extra sort of connected to it? Do you, do you feel that when you're giving that to them or? Yeah, so one of the things that I've really noticed is that the people that we give the homes to, as they're building it, I think they lose track or lose sight of why we're doing it. The actual homeowners, because they're building it and they're like, oh, I'm just building a house, I'm just building a house. But then when they actually receive the house, I think they realize like, you built this. This thing was built by hand, by a bunch of people together. And I think that part of it really stands out for these people because in the moment, they don't realize what they're doing. But at the end of it, they're like, wow this was a great experience. You know what I mean? So it, their mindset changes. There's that, there is that point in time that pivot shift usually happens in the first or second week of November when they realize they're about to get their home just after Thanksgiving and they really start to change the mindset. Yeah, I bet. I bet that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and, and it also makes a lot of sense. I think to me why you'd be passionate about this because it, let me make sure I understand your timeline correctly. You started, you said you started helping with your parents and you started learning and t honing some of your skills on your own, in your own environment. And then you took that thing that you, you were doing that talent that you already had and started volunteering with that. Is that the right timeline? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. And the, the really cool part about that was there's a lot of people in Habitat that don't have, who come and volunteer, don't have any construction skills or don't have any, you know, technical skills in that space. So it's really neat to see the stack of all the different people that were there. And because I spent the previous four months making all the mistakes you could possibly make in my parents' basement. <laughs> it, it, um, it was a great learning experience because when I came there, they would look up to me like, hey, do you know how to build all this stuff? I'm like, yeah, I just did it. You know what I mean? Like we can, yeah. we can definitely do this together. And so you have these, you have this teaching teacher learner opportunity or teacher student opportunity where it's like, hey, I teach you something and then you go and teach someone else something. And you see this happen over and over and over again. My favorite part is in the framing stage. We end up building these walls and standing them up and the most complicated part of, of that is laying out the walls. Where do the windows go? Where do the doors go? And there's a lot of math behind it. And when I would show somebody the math, they'd be like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Then they finally get it. And you're like, wow, okay, now that person's got it. Now go teach the next guy how to do this. And that learning and teaching environment that exists within the non-for-profit 
is like way worth it for everybody. You'll learn more there than anything else. And you can take some super highly educated people like a bunch of chiropractors who are in chiropractic school and humble them in 30 seconds. It's like, listen, you know a lot about the body. You know jack about building a home. So here, I'm going to show you how it works. And then you're going to have an appreciation for the trades and the other people who have a different skill set that's just as valuable. Yeah. Good life lessons there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it sounds like everybody's coming. Everybody who volunteers with this is coming from a different perspective. They're coming with a different experience level. Um, and so I was going to ask you if there's anything you had to overcome. And so I know some of those, some of those, that learning curve that other people have, you didn't have as much of it sounds like, but were, was there anything that you had to overcome as you jumped into this? Yeah, this absolutely. Nonprofit? That one's down super easy. Um, okay. Empathy. Number one thing is empathy. I am an extremely fast moving person with pretty much everything I do. I am, I am big 80, 80, 20. I'd rather do it a little bit less than perfect, but get it done than sit there and plan the whole thing. Right. And so I run, run, run all the time and will never stop. And because of that, I have to realize that not everybody else is like that. And with building home that comes out very quickly, right? There are a lot of people who want to sit there and they want to frame a house and they want it within uh, a 16th of an inch. Well, we can make it perfect and we can take three months to do it, or we can make it really close and do it in half the time. And in the habitat model, because we are penalized, if you do not hit the right timelines on it, you do have to balance those two things. So I think for me, empathy and the fact that I have to understand where everybody else comes from, what their background is, what their learning speed is, where they're at in the construction process, and the timeline of the whole project and balance all of those factors together was something that took me like until the third house to figure out how to do. And, and I would say that's still something that's in process, right? Anytime I, I, I drive up there from Pittsburgh, it's a six hour drive. I'll drive up there for three or four days and just, I work for myself so I can just take time off, not a big deal. And when I go there, we'll get twice as much done in a week than we normally would get done because it's just like, I'll work around the clock. I'll work 12, 14 hour days, you know, when everybody else is just kind of like, I got to go home and go to sleep. I'm just going because that's my, my, just the way I am, you know what I mean? I have to get it done. So I think that's one thing I've learned there. Okay. So, so you run on a different pace than other people, but learning to not sort of judge other people or, or push other people to do something that they can't do. Exactly. And have the empathy like that, that not everybody wants to move at that speed, right? Like there are people who enjoy the, the slower pace and there's people who enjoy the finesse of it. Like I'm not a finesse person, right? That's, that's not my skill set. Like if you want, can I do trim carpentry? Yeah. Am I the number one guy to go to? Definitely not. You know what I mean? I'll frame the house. I'll hang drywall. I'll do some of those other things. But like, if you want to hang doors, I'm not your guy, right? Get, get somebody else to do that because that's a slow and steady and methodical. And so my empathy comes from not everybody's good at everything. And you got to respect the fact that there are people who are definitely better than you or I at specific things. That's yeah, a definite. We, all, we all fill our function. And that's the beautiful thing about volunteering with others. Like you were talking about earlier, you're talking about the community, right? And that's the beautiful thing about the community is we all fill our specific role in that and, and make the whole thing happen. And so that's, uh, that's awesome. You're yeah, that, 100% right there. Yeah. So, okay. Let me just ask you this then. So for those that are listening and they're like, okay, I want to volunteer. I'm not sure where to start. Habitat sounds awesome. sounds like a cool project. What are some best first steps for people? Like, yes. Yeah. That's, that's great. That's makes tons of sense. So Habitat is the easiest place you could volunteer. Step one, go online, Google Habitat for Humanity local chapter. 
most cities have a, a chapter there. They all have their own website. So, you know, Habitat for Humanity Pittsburgh, Habitat for Humanity Seneca Falls. You go there, there's a contact person, either a phone number, an email, you email them and say, when do you work and where do you work? Simple as that. And they give you a date and a time and a location, basically. You show up there, you fill out one piece of paperwork. It's like a waiver just saying, hey, you're not going to you know, hurt yourself. Then you start. That's it. It's as simple as that. There's not a lot of planning around. Most Habitat chapters have the same time each week, the same day each week. And a lot of the bigger chapters operate every single day, Monday through Friday, nine to five, because they're bringing in corporations to help with the projects too. Okay. So just go online, find the chapter that's closest to you, call the, the coordinators up. They're usually pretty nice people and they will help you get started. And I'd say don't quit too early. There are lots of projects in different stages. Don't go into a project and go like, I hate Habitat because you didn't like sanding drywall, right? Nobody likes sanding drywall, right? It's just the way it is. <laughs> yeah. So at the end of the day, um, if that's what you, your first experience is, it might not be the best, but I'd recommend try it again. Say, hey, I don't really like this. Is there something else I can do? And there's always something else that you can do. Okay. So stick with it for a little while. Make sure you really hate it before you, <laughs> before you give up on it. Uh, yeah, you might be surprised. So yeah, that's exactly it. I imagine that probably there's some people listening that are thinking this could be awesome for me to do this, but are intimidated by the skill set. So um, I feel like you've answered this question, but maybe speak to it to just a second more um, for somebody who's coming in with very little to no experience. Is it is this something that they could they could still think about even if they have almost no experience building a home or would you recommend not doing that? Yeah, no, I think it's good for everybody. Uh, I think there definitely are some components of the job like roofing um, that maybe is not a good fit for certain people. If you're, you know, you're a little bit older, maybe you're unstable, you don't like heights, you know, there's, there's some parts of the job that maybe are not um, ideal. Um, but the good thing about most of these projects is one, they are filtered based on the stage of the project. So if you know that you don't want to be on the roof, well, ask them when they're doing the roof and don't go then, right? They, they, have, they actually have that built into the projects. Um, if you know you like something, when you talk to the coordinator, tell them, I like doing X. They will put you on a sheet. They will organize the project because hence the project coordinator. And they will actually tell you, hey, we're doing this in, the, in the, between the next three and six weeks. Do you want to come in and do it? So they actually will organize that for you. And I think you don't need a lot of skills. But if you have a lot of skills, they will definitely appreciate you. You might actually have some people will have more skills than the people who actually work and are employed by Habitat, to be okay. honest with you. There are some veterans programs, which are really awesome programs that are designed around placing somebody in the Habitat for Humanity organization in a paid position to be able to be a project coordinator. They are trained on the technical skills and the carpentry skills and all that. But if you've worked at all, maybe while you're going through university or college and you you have any carpentry you know, skills or any trade skills, you grew up in a family with people that have trades, you probably will be the most qualified person on site other than a certified tradesperson that's there. So don't feel like you have too much or too little to offer. There's something for everybody and there's always somebody to learn from. Yeah. Okay. So I hear you saying this is for basically for anybody who wants to do it, at least try it out, maybe try it out for a little while, make sure you like it. And if you have any skill at all, this is the thing for you. You should, you should give it a try because yeah, I, I think they really need that too. And I think a lot of the, there's something called a blitz build, um, not to get too off topic here, but a blitz build is a house that's built in two days or less with habitat for humanity. Oof. And it's wow. 150 plus people. Uh, probably 30% of those people are active trades people, like people with real skills. This is their day job. They're very used to building these homes. 
every single person that I've met that's gone to a blitz build that's not a tradesperson says they are very comfortable with the process because there's just so many people who know what they're doing that are going to tell you like, Hey, nail hammer, hit it. Right. Like, yeah, it's, they, they simplify it and systematize the whole thing. So you can feel like you're having a great uh, environment. And if you're a corporation or a small company or something like that, I would urge you to, if you end up listening to this, go and bring your corporation, go bring your small company. You got five people in your company, go take the whole crew, take Friday off. It's not going to kill you. Go find the local chapter and bring your whole team and go build something together because then you're going to have that sense of community building and you got to do that for your company anyways. You're usually paying to do that. You're going somewhere to an event, a restaurant, whatever it is to do team building, go to Habitat and that'll test your team real quick. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome for team building. Fantastic suggestion. Hey, let me ask you one more question. All right. And then we'll wrap this up. Uh, If you have, I'd love to hear one story or just one example of somebody being blessed uh, as you built one of these homes. I mean, maybe it's just you, right? But uh, somebody that was just really blessed stood out to you. Give us one example. Yeah, so there's this there's this great project. Um, it's called the Chestnut Street Project. And we name all of our, our projects based on the road or on the location that that are in Seneca Falls. And, and the I might not get this exactly correct, but um, I think it was Mike and I think Amanda. And, and Mike was a war veteran uh, amputee, one leg, right? And they, what we did on this project is a super cool house is a bungalow style. So single, single floor. And what we did is we recruited the boy scouts in the area to build a ramp to the side of their house so that he could have wheelchair access provided that he was, he was diabetic and he was having more and more difficulties and he was going to need a ramp at some point. And so we recruited the boy scouts to come over, dig all the post holes, go manufacture and put together this whole ramp. They drew it up. They went to a wood shop. They built the whole thing start to finish for him. And that was a custom piece of work. Like Habitat does not do custom. It's just, just not the way it is. But in this case, there's a small, it's a small chapter. We said, listen, we have the funding for it. We have the people for it. We're going to source this to the Boy Scouts because it's going to give them a project to work on. So now you got everybody winning, right? We get a funded extra piece of the project. We have something that's going to help the homeowner. We have the Boy Scouts involved. It's not taking away from the core volunteers time on and, and extending the project. It was just a win all around. And I think for me, seeing that piece done was just so much better than everything else we had done at that point. Yeah. What a community watching everybody win that way. That is, that's an awesome story. Thanks for yeah. sharing that with us. Yeah, you're welcome. Connor, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, I think you're going to really challenge people to get out there and volunteer, hopefully with Habitat. I appreciate you being on today. Thanks a lot for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts and join the conversation on social media at Risky Givers. Also, check out our website, riskygivers.com. This has been the Entrepreneur Risk Givers Podcast with your host, Mike Wiest. Hope to see you next time.